When it comes to fighting for our families, every parent fights with their whole heart. Welcome to Wholehearted, a podcast by real parents about real issues involving child custody, co-parenting, and family court. Please welcome your hosts, Josh and Kelly. Welcome back to Wholehearted Podcast. I'm Kelly, and I'm with my husband, Josh. Hi, guys. And this is episode six. Um, in episode six, we are going to talk about temporary orders and the parents who break them. Um, so before we do any of that, just a quick reminder of our um, email address, which is wholeheartedpodcast, all one word, at gmail.com. Or you can go to Facebook and search Wholehearted Podcast two words, um, and our Facebook page will come up. And that's the best way to get in touch with us, and it's the best way to find out updates on the show and, you know, what's going on. Um, we're back after a, about a two-week hiatus, I think. We, um, we went away, we had a trip, and, and also with the Thanksgiving holiday. So we're going to talk a little bit more about that um, in the next couple of minutes and just give you guys an update of, of what's been going on. Um, and then we're going to go into today's topic, which is the temporary orders topic, the whole idea of having temporary custody orders, people who love them, people who hate them, um, why they're necessary at all, um, what you can do about them in terms of modifications, and what happens when people don't follow them and, and what you can do. So starting with updates, we went away. You want to talk to them a little bit about going away? <laughs> um, well, we, we went away to Mexico. Um, typically, this is our second trip there. We went there for our honeymoon. Cancun, Mexico. Um, not like middle the middle of Mexico. Yeah. Uh, our, our son likes to ask us uh, when we were there this time. He goes, how far are you from Mexico City? It's like, is that your seriously only point of reference? It Mexico? was, <laughs> yes. It was his only point of reference. And, and I'm sure he doesn't even know where Mexico City is in, in Mexico. Um, he knows capitals, and I'm assuming that's the capital. I honestly don't know. So, uh, you know, the reason we went, when we went there this time was, I, I think it was after the court case was done. It was about a month after. Um, I was just like, we need to go away and just get away from everything and just like recharge our batteries. Just the two of us. Just the two of us with, without our, our, our kids with us. And uh, one of Kelly's friends goes there a lot and has been to multiple resorts down there. And so we took her advice. The first time we went down there was uh, an adults-only uh, place, which was awesome. Yeah, it was an all-inclusive resort called Excellence. <clears throat> There's a bunch of them in different tropical locations um, and like the... I think Dominican Republic and um, in maybe the Bahamas or Jamaica, and then there's there's the two that are in Cancun. One is um, the Riviera Cancun, which is where the Excellence Riviera Cancun, which is where we stayed, um, and then also there's um, uh, Excellence Playas Mahares, I think, um, or something similar to that. And, and we went there for our honeymoon. So yes. this time around, we we wanted to go. We still wanted to you know just be us. However, we wanted to kind of check other resorts out with potentially taking the kids. So this was a family resort. Yes. Um, we, went, we stayed at a Dreams property, which is owned by um, the AM Hotels or AM Resorts Company, which they have own like Secrets, Dreams, and a whole bunch of subsidiary companies. And they have different resorts around the, com- around the, um, around the globe. And um, we, so we stayed at Dreams, uh, Porta Aventuras, which is just a Dreams resort in an area called Porta Aventuras, which is about a, an hour or so away from the airport. 
something we actually didn't realize at the time, which is what we get for not doing better research. Um, and it was really nice. We had a great time. Like, I think that we, we realized a lot about traveling and traveling with or without the kids. And I, I think Josh and I both really value our alone time. And so we're really good about taking advantage of that. But on top of that, I think that it also gave us a better sense of at this point with, you know, having a seventh grader and two fifth graders, I really honestly don't think they're quite old enough for that kind of trip yet. Like, I think that they need, like, if we had two seventh graders and a ninth grader or two eighth graders and a tenth grader, like, I can totally see that being a much more fun and worthwhile endeavor. But right now, especially with kind of the preteen growth and um, attitude adjustment that is occurring. Our pain in the ass. Yeah, they, I mean, really, they, they, and it's all of them. It's not one in particular. They're all having issues. I think that, um, I honestly think that they would want to stay glued to their screens and they wouldn't appreciate the time that they had in, in, a, in a foreign country at all and then even in this beautiful tropical location. And we'd end up dropping thousands of dollars for literally you know, no reaction, no real reason. And that's just not something we're willing to do. So, Well, going back to the resort with this one, it, it, it was a family resort, but there was an, you know, an adults-only side. It has an adults-only pool, an adults-only restaurant. And they had a lot of activity for, for kids. They, you know, that's one thing that I would say with the, you know, the Dreams Resort, that they had, you know, from sunup, to 10 o'clock at night, mm -hmm. they had activities at the pool. Fun and fun activities, um, not super lame activities. They had like foam parties and water balloon fights in the pool and bonfires on the beach. And they I mean, have they a really basketball court, cool, cool a soccer, you know, indoor soccer type of thing. They had a movie theater, you know, tons of stuff for the kids. And, and you know, as an adult, you could, you know, drop your kids off there at any point during the day. You could do your couple's thing and it went until 10 o'clock at night. So you could still do your family dinners and, and stuff like that and, you know, go out afterwards and, and have a couple of drinks. Um, but it was awesome. And so now we're, you know, recharged. It yes. was actually great because we missed a snowstorm. Yes. Back, uh, back at home, and we live in central Maryland, and we had, um, I think, like four or five inches of snow is what it turned out to be. And so we were able, through our, our doorbell, our ring doorbell camera, we were able to kind of monitor the snow and we had um, a friend watching cats, and so our cats, and we knew that he, you know, was coming and going, and and so like he was kind of updating us on the weather as well. But yeah, no, we missed like three or four inches of snow, something like that, and you know, it was kind of nice to be able to gloat about that on Facebook. And well, and it was all <laughs> gone by the time we came back. Yeah, too. exactly. So that was the best part. And I think that it's, I mean, it was pretty warm out today, and and I think that it's going to be a little warmer tomorrow too. So it's just that time of year when it's, you know, the weather's just not as predictable, but. So, which kind of leads me into time of year, as in Thanksgiving. So, um, one of the things we chose to do, because we had this upcoming trip, is about a month prior to the trip, um, we emailed um, our daughter's mother and asked her if she would be interested in having uh, the girls for an extra couple of days. It would be school week days, um, and it would be three additional days than she normally has. Um, in exchange, we were willing to provide her with um, the whole weekend on, of Thanksgiving break where ordinarily, according to our custody order, we would have, we alternate the holiday every other year. So on even numbered years, um, the girl's mother gets uh, after school on Wednesday until 
I think it's like noon on Friday. And then we would get noon on Friday until Monday morning when they go back to school. And then it would be, you know, the reverse on odd years. Well, because we were asking her a favor, we said, you know, look, we know that you really would like to have the weekend and have the additional time. So if you're willing to swap weekends with us, we'll give you this additional time. So I I would say that she probably had about four days in total of additional time. Um, And so this was a pretty much a kid-free holiday for us because we made that arrangement. It was not an entirely pleasant arrangement um, because, you know, we had, um, the girls were kept out of school one day and kind of unnecessarily. Now, and you that was, kind not, of, a, that you was could, not a huge surprise. And, we were and, sort of anticipating that. And, and there's such a, and this is where I'll touch on, like, there's certain fights and certain battles you have with, you know, certain things. They, they, they were out of school on Thursday, Thursday because of snow and Friday was uh, a two hour early um, a two hour dismissal a two, I'm sorry two hour delay delay, two hour delay. and uh, the girls are actually where their mom is staying at right now is about 45 minutes away yeah. from the uh, their school and it's also in a different county that county actually didn't even have a delay no, they and, were on time. And I got the message saying that they won't be going to school because it's too icy. And I could have argued, like, well, did school didn't have, you know, your county that you're in didn't have any delays. And, but, you know, it's, there's stuff that you really got to be able to do about it because it's one day and... And it's and, already and, over. And, and it's over. And, and at that time we were out of the country. Yeah, we were still out of the country. So, you know, I, I kept track and I knew about it before she you told me um, because I have a tracker on my oldest's phone because it's my phone uh, and, and, and I pay because, for it. Yeah, and, I was going to say, we, we pay <clears> for the phone and um, we use a, a, tracking, a tracking device, a tracking mechanism. We've had that ever since our ex parte order in the fall of 2017, um, which was at a point where... Um, we were given emergency sole legal and physical custody because the girl's mother was staying with them at a shelter and had them covered um, under a protective order unbeknownst to their father. And so we ended up getting ex parte for about, I think it was like 35 or 40 days and then moved into the primary custody realm, which is where we've been ever since. Um, But regardless, because of that, um, at that point we consulted our lawyer about having um, a tracking device on our oldest daughter's phone because of of not knowing where they were staying. And and I just want to clear up, it's not a tracking device, it's literally the Find My iPhone app that's on the phones. You know, they also have um, Friend Finder that you have to, you know, invite people, but I have the, you know, the username and login for my daughter's iPhone stuff, so... I just log in on my phone as, you know, with her information and I can see where she's at, see, you know, how, how charged up her phone is, you know, so, so when I try to text and I get the excuse like, oh, my phone's not charged, I, your, your phone's been charged all day. You know, I could check those things. But. Yeah. And I was going to say, if you aren't, if this sounds like something that you'd be interested in doing on one of your kids' phones and you pay for their phone and, and you really feel like maybe they're taking advantage. I mean, not even not even talking about child custody, but just talking about parenting um, and co-parenting. Like, if you feel like you're being taken advantage of or being told a different story about where they really are or what they're really doing or whether or not they have battery or whatever, um, we can, if you email us at wholeheartedpodcast at gmail.com, we can certainly sort of give you the sort of step-by-step of how to set this up. Well, and, 
you know, it's pretty easy, and I'm sure most of you have already know. However, we've also used other sort of aftermarket trackers initially we at have. one point, and you know, we paid like a hundred dollars for it was a year. Two hundred actually, and, it was not one ninety nine. This is new, um, and it was more in depth. So you could see text messages, you could see the phone calls, you could see the social media apps that they were getting on and what they were mm-hmm. doing. So if you're really concerned about those types of things, right. and I'm sure, you know, we will get those, you know, again, as our daughters, you know, and our son gets older and, you know, that was the, honestly, the trust we, we get with them. Yeah. Honestly, like I felt like those <clears throat> trackers were in some ways that tracking program. It started with my, it was my something. I can't remember what it was, but I want to say it was my spy. My, yes, it was. It was my spy or M spy. One of the two. And it was about, I think it was about $200 for the year. Um, and we chose to, rather than paying monthly, we chose to pay for it, um, all at once just so that we had it and we had it for the year. And it definitely, in our case specifically, was not worth the money. I think we we had trouble. First of all, there's sort of a kind of a backlog. Like you weren't getting things updated immediately. So there was that. But also... Yeah, you could also, only update. Also, there was the problem that we had to get on and log on to look at it. And that in and of itself was an extra step that we had to get on our computers. And so it just wasn't... I didn't find it as effective. You, you had to update it, and it was like you could only update it certain times. It wasn't like real time. You know, you log on and, and you see the current activity of what the uh, you, right. you know, the, the phone user was doing. So, you know, if and and there's other ones I've looked at. You know, and I'm sure you know What's by the time that they get a couple more years older, that there's going to be other ones out there. So and what's the one you use? You use Find My iPhone right just, now? Yeah, Find My iPhone. Okay. It's, it's on every iPhone. Everybody has it. You know, if you so have yeah. a, an Apple computer, an Apple phone. I'm sure there are YouTube one. videos of how to kind of use it effectively. You know, I'm the kind of person who needs those videos, those yeah, tutorials. Yeah. I mean, it's literally click on the app, you put in their iPhone account and then their password and then click. And, you know, the only way they wouldn't, you wouldn't be able to see it is if they turned off the location on their phone or just on that app. Um, and my daughter has done that. Now, whether it's actually been her or her mother doing it, it's immediately corrected when I find out about it. And my daughter, we've had to have this conversation a couple times with all of them. When we text you, if you don't text back, you're going to lose your phone when you go to your mom's. And, I, and, and I'm just not going to be able to get a hold of you or, you know, I'm going to have to text your mom if, if I want to get a hold of you. And typically, I don't. Typically, it's they're with their mom. I ignore it. You know, I, I might check on them just to see what they're doing, um, especially with ac- activities, whether it's, you know, cheer or making sure they're at school on time or making sure they're being picked up after school uh, when they're not with us, just in case, you know, we have to, you know, save the day with everything, which we tend to do. Yeah, I think that, you know, generally, um, the, the phone issue, God, we could do, we could, actually probably could do a whole, fo- a whole episode about phones and cell phones and stuff. But, um, so, but sort of just to culminate all of this, I think one of the reasons I wanted to mention the, the Thanksgiving thing and, and the the trading of time, um, you know, all of that negotiation about time trading was done over email. Um, my husband emailed his ex-wife a multitude of times. I think it was like three different times. It was actually five times. Okay, and five times. The, the last email was, if you don't email me in the next 
you know, 24, 48 hours, I'm going to assume you don't agree to this. And we're going to figure out, you know, a situation for our daughters and you're just not going to get them. So unfortunately, we've learned that in our specific situation, ultimatums are what often have to um, be used in order to get things done. And then usually once we've kind of issued that ultimatum, within 24 or 48 hours, there will be a response, and that response will be kind of making their own demands, making her own demands. And in this case, it was she still wanted to have her weekly dinner, um, and that, but she was fine, you know, essentially with everything else. And of course, we were giving her the additional time that she really wants with her daughter. So there's, there really wasn't much for her to disagree with. So we agreed to that. Um, but I do think that, you know, one thing that I wanted to, to point out is because of the, you know, keeping the kids out of school unnecessarily, even though in the back of our minds we were sort of anticipating it potentially happening, I think that one of the lessons that we learned from this trip to Mexico is that, right, at least right now, at least for the current time being, um, these are going to be trips that we really just fit into our lives when we can, and they're trips that we take just the two of us whenever that's possible. And, you know, some people might see that as, as selfish and some people might see that as, you know, really unfair to the kids and, and we're not including them in this, you know, amazing experience. The truth is that we have every intention of including them in this experience when they're old enough to appreciate it and they are not old enough yet. Um, so that's A. And then B, we also realize that by going away and leaving them with their mom during the school year, we can't trust the fact that they would get to school. So we've learned that, you know what, if we're going to take a trip, it should be during the summer when we have week-on, week-off custody. And that's the best way for us to approach it. And and, and I want to touch one, you know, real quick, because we talked about the Thanksgiving, you know, schedule and, and changing, you know, and, and touching just a little bit with Christmas, too. I know a lot of people, you know, like splitting the holiday, you know, Christmas. Like, morning, like oh, I want them, morning, you know, Christmas morning. I want them Christmas Eve. You know, what it comes down to, you know, at least in my experience, because the, the first holiday that I had my, you know, daughters was Christmas. And this was when I was living in North Carolina and she was up here in Maryland. And technically she was allowed to pick the girls up. I want to say it was noon or may, maybe two at the latest. And I felt really crappy about that because it's like, you know, that year I bought the kids bikes. <clears throat> excuse me, which I end up giving them Christmas Eve, you know, in the morning so they could actually use it and ride it around the neighborhood and stuff. And and then, you know, luckily for me, it ended up snowing and it took them forever and she didn't end up getting down until late that night. I almost want to say it was eight, eight, nine or 10 o'clock at night. So I did have majority of Christmas day. However, you know, I feel that it's wrong, especially with, like, younger kids where, like, you have them open up presents and then you're going over to mom's house or you're going over to dad's house. Let them enjoy the holiday because it's, it's typically it's, you know, every other year. So every other year means mom gets Christmas this year. It's Christmas all day. You can pick them up the day after Christmas and then you can do Christmas then. Yeah, splitting nothing, the day is nothing, really tough. It's really tough. Nothing's going to change anything. It, you know, at, at our point, you know, with 10 and 12-year-olds, there's no like, ooh, Santa Claus is coming and they're coming downstairs. Our kids are literally, you know, I would say maybe one of them will wake up early Christmas morning, you know, and that's because he does he wakes, wakes up. up early anyway. Yeah. But the other two pretty much will sleep back. <laughs> I, know, I know one Christmas when it was just me and them, I had to wake them up. The next week was the first Christmas. I had to wake them up. It was like 9 o'clock. It was like, 
come on, it's Christmas. Like, I remember waking up as a kid at, like, 4 o'clock in the morning and, like, going downstairs. And, and yeah. you know, the girls didn't care at all at that point. And Yeah, that's it's kind of always been that way with, with the girls in particular. And I think that um, part of it is, you know, that they've, they've sort of had to go through a lot of these split holidays. And so we... We sort of learned really early on that it's not a battle worth fighting. Honestly, it makes more sense to give the entire break, you know, entire amount of time over to the one parent. So, you know, for example, giving the girl's mom this weekend along with the, the Thanksgiving holiday. Sure, we didn't see them. We haven't seen them since Wednesday morning. We will see them tomorrow. We'll have them all week for the school week, and we're going back to a normal school week schedule um, where, you know, they'll be with us Monday through Friday, and that's, you know, absolutely the way, you know, things always run. Um, But that being said, like, I think other than that, there's no real reason, because we have five days a week pretty much every single week, there's no reason for us to fight for you know, this additional break. We already had a weekend with them. We didn't, We, you know, their mom agreed to switch weekends. Ordinarily, the, the Thanksgiving weekend would be ours and because it's the last weekend of the month, but we, we said we were willing to, to you know, not, not have to do that, and, and instead we would, um, you know, kind of move forward with the, the whole, you know, them having the whole time with her. And, and I think that even with splitting Christmas break, like I, I understand why we're doing it. And I, th- I think that it's best for the kids that we do it, that we split it. But, um, you know, the kids really do benefit from having a chunk of time with each parent if it's a holiday. They don't necessarily, now it obviously depends on how old they are. If they're very little, um, it, it is difficult for them to be away from one parent for too long. Well, um, and, and that's like, true. So You know, and, and I wanted to touch base because we typically end up dealing with this with, you know, Kelly's, you know, son with this because his dad always wants to do you know half thanksgiving half today and you and know Christmas. this this year it was we we didn't get to you know we went to kelly's uh, family's house we didn't get there until a little bit later and then one. we yeah. had to you know cook you know finish cooking dinner and we forgot something i had to come back to the house you know we're only 30 minutes away but then we got back and then uh, i was deep frying a turkey and he didn't even get to eat anything. And then so it's like, you know, he, he's going back to his dad's and he really didn't have Thanksgiving dinner, you know, with us. And it was, he didn't really get a lot of spending time with, you know, our side of the family. And that's where I say, like, you, you, you could do Thanksgiving the next day as a family. You, you could, Lots it, of people it, do it over the yeah. weekend. And yeah. a lot of people end up tying Friendsgiving into mm-hmm. that, that types of things. Mm-hmm. You know, it, I think what it comes down to is it's, it's, a, it's a holiday. You're an adult, you know, move on with it. It's, it's not something to fight about. Right. I, mean, I think there's so much fighting over holidays that's just inc- incredibly unnecessary. And while I get it, I do get, I get the value of Christmas and I get the value of Thanksgiving and I understand why you want that time. But the truth is that what you want is for your kids to remember, you know, family traditions and holidays. And if they are literally flying out or being driven for hours or whatever every single Christmas because they have to split the time, like, I mean, think about how mis- that's what they're going to remember. They're going to remember transit. I mean, that's not what you want. You want to remember, you know, decorating the house or making a certain dessert or having, you know, if you're religious, having a certain church service or, you know, whatever it may be that you, if you do midnight mass, whatever it is, like, 
you know, you really do try, you know, in your in your initial orders, try to come up with, okay, the, these are the traditions that are important to me. Most of us kind of come into marriages with our own family traditions anyway. So, you know, hopefully you're more of a Christmas Eve person and your your soon-to-be ex-spouse or ex-spouse is a, a more of a Christmas Day person, and, and so you can split things up that way. Um, we, again, there are lots of different ways that this can be done, and I really, I just really think that if you can avoid the fighting and if you can avoid, you know, crazy amounts of transit on actual holidays, then you, you'll really be all the better for it. So now to the topic of the yes, day. Yes, now we talked, we talked quite a bit about <laughs> this. Tep- was, that was technically an update, yeah. so sorry so, about that. So with uh, temporary orders and how they work. Um, I want to jump in really quickly just to say um, temporary orders are... Did I interrupt you? <laughs> yeah, this is multiple times, <laughs> and I'm going to okay, just... Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. Go no, ahead. No, 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 no. I'm being the play one here. It's, okay. it's all you. All right, all, I just wanted to mention that... Um, we're speaking specifically about temporary orders in reference to um, questions that were on a couple of different message boards that we frequent, and these are related back to those specific questions. So I w- that's all I wanted to say. I will carry forward. Go ahead. So, you know, we've talked about earlier that, you know, it takes forever to get into court. Your first time there, it's just your scheduling conference, you're making all the days. Um <clears throat> I want to say about a month, maybe a month and a half, almost two months until you get in for, you know, the first time. And when you get a temporary order, I think a lot of times that it's happened with me because I've had two of them with changing uh, custody stuff. And both of ours were agreed upon. We didn't have to, you know, usually you're in front of a magistrate. They, they'll rule on it and put down just like a judge would. However, they're just dealing with the temporary. So sometimes they will rule with temporary, you know, order giving all the custody to one parent or the other parent, or they'll give it, you know, jointly. So that would be called a temporary consent order. Like you'll see at the top of your orders that when, when it's agreed upon, something like that, it'll say temporary consent order. If it's just the judge stipulating that it would be temporary order. And so those things are... That order is in place and will follow you until there's an ex parte, you know, if, if it's, you know, a high conflict case and things have to change prior to, you know, actually getting to merits, which is your actual court hearing for custody. And because that takes forever. Do you mean <laughs> pendente lite or do you mean ex parte? The ex parte, if you will, pendente lite. So pendente lite is the Latin version for a temporary order. Um, and it's sort of an expedited, sped-up version of, of a trial or an expedited, sped-up version of merits, which is when you get your permanent order. And sort of the misconception about temporary orders is that everybody gets a, a trial or a hearing, and that's actually not the case. Um, sometimes, initially you'll have your scheduling conference, with Josh just mentioned, and then after that, you will usually have some secondary hearing. It could be called a um, settlement conference. It could be called a pendente lite hearing. But regardless of what it's called, um, it, it is ultimately a time where the judge hears from each of, assuming there are attorneys on each side, the judge hears from each of the attorneys or each of the parties, um, and they figure out what status quo is for the children. So let's say, you know, the children go to school where mom lives, and, um, you know, mom usually has them five days a week, but for the last six months, dad has been getting every weekend. 
Um, the mom might, you know, decide she wants weekends now, and so she's fighting for that for the temporary, you know, for the time being until the court um, actually sees fit to schedule the trial or whatever. So um, that's when the judge will, you know, provided that there are, um, you know, kind of the status quo stipulations in place, the judge might say, all right, well, let's just keep things as they are. Or, you know, let's change things around this way. It really will often depend on the situation at hand, how high conflict it is, um, you know, how much disruption there is in the lives of the children, how much distance there is between the parents and their living situations. So um, also how, you know, how steady and stable the living situation is. Um, At the time that we did our last Penente Lite, it was um, around the time that um, the girl's mom had been staying in a shelter for about three months and she really was just getting back on her feet. And so that did certainly contribute to the fact that we were given ex parte custody and then, and then primary custody for the duration of 2000, late 2017 and all of 2018. Um, well, all of 2018 until our permanent order, which of course went, then was, it, was, it was signed into, um, into the order permanently. But um, regardless, I think that the judge can you know, sort of say this is what things are going to be, but usually the next time you have a settlement hearing or the next time you have, um, it, you know, it, sometimes it can just be, you know, um, to see like a process hearing basically, you know, to see like how far things have gone, like, you know, what, what's been accomplished so far. And at that point, if, um, if the plaintiff and the defendant have come up with a plan, like a parenting plan that like, hey, this is what we want to do until the permanent order, um, oftentimes the judge, I mean, unless it's in some way detrimental to the kids and really unreasonable, um, or if there's already a guardian ad litem or a BIA, a best interest attorney assigned to the case, and they're like, "Yeah, no, that's not going to work." Unless those things are the case, usually a judge will take a settlement, you know, or take some sort of consent order and just, you know, agree to it. As long as the parents agree to it, they'll be fine with it. So um, now, this one thing that we, is important to kind of mention with a temporary order is, regardless of whether or not you come up with it together or whether or not you, in fact, are, you know, kind of forced into it or the judge signs it into the order and that's what you have to follow, you need to anticipate a couple of things. One is that you're going to live this way for at least the next nine months. It's highly unlikely that you're going to have, I mean, again, it varies by state, but it's highly unlikely that a temporary order is only going to last a couple of months. You usually need to be, expect to be in it for about six months. So it's really advantageous to, to you, to your, to your ex-spouse, to your kids, to try and come up with a settlement between the two of you for the temporary order that you can live with. Because if it's up to the judge and they choose something that you can't live with, it's going to make your life incredibly difficult. Um, another thing that you should know is that um, child support can be based on temporary orders, but it is only temporary child support. Final child support would be based on the final order. So you might be, you know, a child support situation may arise with that temporary order, but before you, you know, go apeshit or lack for lack of a better term, just remember that it is that is a temporary situation and that, um, you know, really fighting the child support from, you know, the beginning isn't necessarily the best approach if you can avoid it. Um, So those are, you know, just kind of some basic things about what temporary orders are. Um, Sometimes they will come in as a result of an ex parte, which is an emergency hearing. It's incredibly rare, and I would say maybe 0.5% of ex parte motions that are filed 
are actually granted. They are very rarely granted. The fact that we have one granted kind of makes us unicorns. Like it's just, it's incredibly rare. Even in our situation that we were in when we filed it, which was, you know, our girls had nowhere to live when they were with their mother and they were covered under a protective order unbeknownst to their father. Um, you know, even that, our attorney was surprised when, when the order was granted, really. Um, and, and even then, their mother still didn't follow it right away. It was something that we had to, to sort of fight for, for, fight for. So anyway, um, ex parte is one. Pendente lite hearing is a temporary order hearing. Not everyone gets that. So <coughs> it's something, again, to consider that if you and your ex can come up with stipulations or some sort of consent order, it's going to be better from you right off the bat. But that being said, a temporary order is going to be something that lasts likely for six to nine months, and it needs to be something that you can live with because temporary orders really can't be modified. The reason is because you're going to go back to court in six to nine months, and so a, by the time you file a motion for modification, get all that rigmarole started, really you're going to be a couple of months away from the final trial. A, a judge isn't going to listen. A, a judge is not necessarily going to even schedule a hearing for that. So... Even if you're unhappy with your temporary order, filing a motion for modification really isn't going to be a good use of your time or energy or money. And what you really can do in that situation if you know your ex is not following the temporary order is following contempt. Now we, well, we, we actually, actually haven't gotten to that yet if someone's not following it. So jump into that. So if somebody's not if, following it. If someone's it, not following it, you can file contempt charges on, on them. Now, <clears throat> with that being said... There's going to have to be some consistency or non-consistency with the, with them following the order. So, if they denied you, you know, last Wednesday your time, you know, that you were supposed to have, you know, dinner or Wednesday was supposed to be your day, and but the next Wednesday they give you your day, and the Wednesday after that they give you your day, and then they take it. it I know it's on. It sounds unfair, and it is. However. You know, you're pretty much wasting time until you're building up, you know, some sort of consistent. Like, if she's not giving you the first Wednesday of every month for some reason, then yes, you can file contempt. And and really, what's going to end up happening is if, if you are able to get in, you know, the judge is going to be like, you know, you quit it, or I'm going to alter this, alter the the order a little bit, where now he gets every Wednesday and Thursday, you know. To make up for all the days that you've missed. <clears throat> Excuse me. But like I said, you know, it has to be a consistent uh, aspect of her, you know, or him not following the order. It's it's not going to be, you know, one time she does this and one time she does that. It, th those things, I mean, your attorney should stop you right there and go, you're going to get laughed at, you know, by the judge. Well, and that's one thing that is probably worth mentioning, too, is kind of what's worth filing a motion for modification for, or I'm sorry, a motion to, uh, for contempt. So first and foremost, lots of people, I would say probably close to everyone, has a moment in during their temporary order, or during their final order, but definitely during the temporary order, where someone doesn't follow it. And it could be something as simple as, a clause that is, you know, somewhere deep in there where it says, like, let's say, for example, you're supposed to give your former spouse 45 days of notice before with a job change or you're, you're moving or whatever, and you do it in 30 days. And, and then technically, yes, they could file a motion of contempt. I think that their attorney would, you know, encourage them not to do that. But there's certain, 
this is where the phrase, you know, choose your battles is, is so important because there are, there are stages in your divorce and your separation and your custody battle where you want to play the gotcha game and every single time they do something that could potentially be looked at as breaking the order, you want to be like, gotcha, I'm taking you back to court, you broke the rules. So that is equivalent to tattletales as like, you know, being like in kindergarten and you imagine that the judge is the teacher. Tattletales and tattletelling, you know, that kind of thing. Um, the judge is just going to be massively irritated if you are playing the gotcha game. You're not going to win anything. And so, yes, it is something to make note of. Of course, you should definitely write it down every time they break the order. But if it's something that is not directly affecting your children, either in the way they're living their life, the way they're attending school, the way they're eating, you know, getting medical care, going to activities, whatever it is, if it's not affecting your kids on a regular basis or even irregular basis, if it's something as simple as not providing enough notice or whatever, it's not worth pursuing. Certainly not in a temporary order, but I would say not even in a regular order either. Well, and, and I'll tell you this. This is going to be an extreme. Like in my case, we had a temporary order in the state of North Carolina. And then we, we, she was already out of the state. And then I moved because of in, being in the military. And then they suspended and, and stayed the case. And so that order, the temporary order still applied. However, because Maryland didn't have the order, I couldn't enforce anything in Maryland. So I had to submit the order, which was pretty much like filing for custody. And even then, she didn't follow the order because then it took us forever to get into court. And so I went nine months without seeing the kids. However, the one thing I will you know, let you guys know is you know, be consistent with asking for your time. If your, you know, your ex is not letting you have any time with your kids, regardless of an order or not, you ask. Don't be, you know, don't be nagging. Don't, you know, text her a thousand times in one day going, I want to see my kid. I want to see my kid. You know, once or twice, you know, a day, I'd say maybe. And on the uh, days, you know, that, on the days that should be yours, you if know, you have Wednesday night yeah. dinners and you have every other weekend, then on the normal pickup times, text and say, I'd like to see my children. Yeah. Please let me know if I should be picking them up tonight. And then, you know, text maybe on that same day or same weekend saying, I, you know, I don't understand or, you know, I, I would appreciate it if you would continue following the order as it is, you know, legally bound, binding and, um, you know, I would like to see my children. It's important for me to be in their lives, et cetera. And, and I say that one, one thing, and this is to cover you, in that is if you don't continually asking, it could be used against you as you made no effort to try. And I get it. You, you, get, you get tired of asking and getting told no over and over again. I, I get it. I understand. However, you have to be consistent of saying, I want to see my kids and having them say no, because when we end up finally getting into court in Maryland, that whole situation of all my text messages and the fact that uh, I, I had those things and requested and she did not, you know, she, she tried to deny it, but then, you know, finally, you know, after being caught red handed, you know, uh, admitted to it. However, she tried to pull the, well, he didn't try to call them for two months. Well, at that, that two-month part was she had put a restraining order on me from Maryland to establish custody because 
you know, in the state of Maryland, there's, you know, multiple ways of getting divorced quicker than a year. And Maryland lumps everything in one big thing, especially if you're married and physical assault, you know, domestic dispute is one of those. So I had a bogus, you know, domestic violence case brought against me, which was completely dropped when I came up. However, she tried to use the time that I didn't call my kids because I wasn't allowed to against me. So just imagine if I didn't call or text her every day trying to, you know, to see them, what she would have done. I think that, you know, in our experience, and just for a little bit of like kind of full disclosure, Josh's ex-wife has multiple custody cases. And so we have seen the direct results in a Maryland court with how things are, you know, involving different fathers, children of different ages, um, when CPS gets involved, when there's a guardian ad litem or a best interest attorney. I mean, we've just, we've run the gamut of crazy different situations within the court system. And I think that, you know, it's fair to say that because of the denial of access when Josh and his ex-wife had a temporary custody order, because she then denied him access for nine months, despite the fact that he was continually texting or calling on a regular basis, asking for that time, it was, I mean, I think that Josh and I say every now and then, like, it was the worst thing she ever did. It was the thing that probably, you know, lit the flame of this entire case and and really forced us to fight even harder for simply what he was, who he was owed. Um, And ultimately it created the means for us, or I guess the drive for us to move to the same area in which she lived. We've now built a home here. We both have jobs that are locally in the area. Our children go to the same schools and we are, you know, members of the community. Our kids do different activities within this community. We made friends here. Um, You know, we consider ourselves, you know, residents of this town that was in fact her town for, you know, three or four years long before we ever came here. And it was never really our intention to do that. We were living in a different state and, you know, things kind of spiraled the way they did. And I I think that by the time Josh made it to court and all of this time had gone on without him having access to his children, it really, the fact that, yes, he had, his attorney at the time had filed, well, it's his only attorney, but at the time his attorney had filed multiple different documents. Um, A motion to shorten time was one of them, for example. Um, There were, you know, motions to um, create other uh, specifics that, that, you know, legalese, things that related to the law specifically in Maryland to try and um, get things rolling faster because Josh wasn't seeing his children. Um, And I think that, but our attorney never filed a, a motion of contempt, ever. He never filed contempt. And during that time period, and the reason is because we didn't have an active case in Maryland. We were getting that case rolling. Things there weren't already there weren't already Maryland orders. They were North Carolina orders. We weren't able to file contempt. Obviously, he would have had the case been, you know, applicable. However, he did also never filed ex parte. And ex parte are emergency orders that you file for ex parte when there is grave bodily harm or danger or neglect affecting your children. I, you know, I almost want to take neglect out of it because 
neglect, honestly, it probably doesn't even apply to ex parte. It's bodily harm or danger to your children that is, you know, provable in some documentable way um, that, you know, you need to take them out of the situation they are in with that parent so that you can keep them safe. And there are lots of parents who want to talk about um, mental and emotional abuse and parental alienation as being emergency situations, and they will file ex parte orders under those grounds, and they are almost immediately thrown out without a second glance. And it's really unfortunate, and I think that there's a lot of misconceptions about what parental alienation is and why those grounds are, in fact, valid reasons to consider them emotional abuse. But at least as far as we, we've seen in the courts as they stand now, your child needs to be in some grave danger or the possibility of them you know, either being in, in a position where they could be harmed or where they would be you know, without the things that we need to function as human beings. So water, food, shelter, et cetera. Um, and so that's why we, when we mentioned before the thing about living in a, in a shelter and um, without providing us inf any of the information about where, where that, was, that was located, and then also um, filing a protective order against her then fiance, ex-boyfriend, something, um, and saying that, um, that our, our children had, had seen a firearm and had felt unsafe in the home, and all of these were things that would never been brought up to, to my husband, and it had never been brought up in our home, and, and that's because they probably were entirely false. Um, later on, she admitted that she filed that protective order to try and establish custody of her infant daughter. But regardless, that specifically, um, those ex that, that ex parte order that we received, like I said before, it was, we, we still weren't sure if it was enough. We were incredibly surprised and thrilled when, we, when it was because we knew that we were getting the girls out of a bad situation. But Really and truly, when it comes to temporary orders, if you have a spouse or ex-spouse who is not following a, you know, a temporary order, the best thing that you can do is document whatever is happening, document the consistency or the inconsistency, depending on what applies here, and then with that documentation, either go to your attorney or if you're, if you're representing yourself, honestly, motions to modify are not really that hard to to write, you, you know, get a form from the circuit court, you can fill it out, you can even hand fill it out if you really want to, but I would recommend typing it up and submit it, explaining it, you know, and then submit your exhibits as your supporting evidence to explain why they have, you know, been, why they are in contempt of the order. And then if the judge deems that, or it's probably a magistrate, but if, if the judge or the magistrate deems that motion of contempt valid, they will then set up a hearing for your spouse to attend to what's called show cause, which is basically setting up an appointment for them to come into the court and explain to the court why they're breaking the order. They have to show the, show the reason, show cause, as to why the order was worth breaking and what, it, what needs to be changed. So it's... I, I want to keep expectations low here, and <laughs> that's not, like, the best way to, to put it, but, like... You're not going to take, like, if, you're, if your spouse has primary custody and they aren't letting you have your Wednesday night dinners or something like that, 
and you file a motion for contempt, and the judge grants a motion, or I'm sorry, schedules um, a show cause hearing where your spouse has to go in and explain why she's not giving the, or he or she is not giving the Wednesday night dinners. I don't want you to then assume that the judge is going to be like, well, then, you know what? Sole legal and physical custody goes to the father or the mother or whatever. And, you know, obviously this person can't be trusted. It, it, Josh mentioned this before. It's most likely going to be something like, well, now they get Wednesday and Thursday night dinners. And now, you know, like the, the punishment, quote unquote, is it's not it's going to fit the crime to an extent. But it also what it really helps you with is it builds your case so that when you make it to court for the final order you can say you know your honor look it, i already had to take her back to court because he or she back to court because they couldn't follow a temporary order when it was in place they already you know were inconsistent about allowing me to take my you know my my ordered visitation and it just it shows an unwillingness to co-parent, which is one of I think I arguably one of the most important best interest factors um, in every state in the country. The ability to co-parent successfully, or the ability of you know sometimes it's phrased a little bit differently. Sometimes it's phrased as an ability to co-parent. Other times it's phrased as the parent who is most likely to um, provide access to the other parent is the parent that is favored. I mean, there's lots of different um, ways to word it, but ultimately, really, it, it has to do with if you are facilitating access to the other parent, if you're trying to make it easier for your child to spend time with their mother or father, even if it's not necessarily convenient for you or even if it's something that maybe even is taking extra time away, if you're trying to include them because that's what is best for your child, the judge looks at that really highly. I mean, I think that there were many, many examples of Josh allowing his ex-wife into our home, um, allowing her to come and visit with the girls, allowing her to take them trick-or-treating. I mean, all of these were things that were during his his custodial time. Well, and, and what Kelly's talking about, she actually tried to pull that when we had primary and sole legal custody uh, during that ex parte part and going, well, he didn't let me have, you know, any access to his girls, which was not true at all. However, technically, I didn't have to because I was their only parent on paper for those, you know, 30, 45 days. And how, and, and again, like Kelly said, she did visit with the girls at our house. She was just never allowed to take them for an overnight. She, I think we let her take them for dinner for two hours or, or something like that, but she wasn't allowed to have an overnight during that, that time period, what ultimately, and she didn't like that. What all, yeah, I mean, I, and a lot of this goes back to the high conflict custody stuff and the control and, and wanting to have control. Um, you know, she really is not interested in a situation where Josh is considered the, the, the primary parent, and of course, you know, that is the exact situation that we're in now, but um, this actually, the ex parte, part of why that happened that way and, and why we refused her any overnight visits during this, the, the period of sole legal, sole physical, was because she, when the ex parte was served, she she refused to, to do anything about it, and so she was supposed to turn over the girls, bring them to our home at 7.30 that night, and she didn't, and she hid, um, and she hid them. And she refused to bring them over, and our, you know, we were on the phone with our attorney, and our attorney was on the phone with you know, applicable people, and it was a big mess. And so 
she it ended up the next day that we took off of work and we waited until like 9 a.m. when we knew both girls would be in school and we went to both offices you know the front office of both schools and we said you know we wanted to make sure each of them were there and then we spoke with the guidance counselors at each school and we established this is what's going on this is what you want, we want you to be aware of you know for this period of time you know do not allow them to be picked up or taken off of the grounds of school by this per, by the, by their mother you know and then as soon as we get a different order we will update it and so in the system it, it said you know that she was not allowed to take them because she didn't comply with the original order to be quite honest with you we were really afraid she she might run and and you know because there had been denial of custody prior there was no reason for us not to think that so I, I think that you know the motion to the motion of contempt any motion generally what you need to know is that unless it's an ex parte and unless it's an emergency there's not going to be any real immediate um and any real immediate anything you know, there's not really going to be any sort of um, impact made at the moment that you file anything. It takes a couple of days for things to, you know, log in the system. And it can take, you know, a couple of days for those to be addressed by the judge. The judge may or may not find that that motion is even valid. If they do find it, they will set the hearing for show cause, and then things will go from there. Many, I think we've filed motions of contempt <coughs> twice. Um we filed, in 2015, we filed a motion for contempt because none of us were supposed to get any of the children involved in activities without um, the other parent's consent. And um, looking back on this, it's it kind of, even saying it kind of sounds petty, but I think we had a lot going on at that time, and we really were kind of being incredibly picky about how, how, how things were followed because Josh had just gone nine months without his kids, and we were having a, a really difficult time, um, you know, a lot of a lot of conflict and, and a lot of a lot of strife between him and his ex-wife. But anyway, filed a motion uh, for contempt because she had signed our oldest daughter up for um, band, like playing a, an instrument, basically, which would involve after-school practices. At, you know, this is what we thought at least. It would involve performances, um, and it involved costs, fees that we had absolutely no clue about and that was kind of kept from us initially. Honestly, I think that, you know, our, our daughter's mom forgot. I think that she just didn't even remember it at the time we went to court in August. And I think September rolled around and, oh, I forgot, you know, playing violin this year. And, and it's not, you know, definitely not something that we had all agreed on. So we filed contempt for that. And that was not dealt with for an order to show cause until our December consent order. And at that time as part of the consent order, it was thrown out. It was agreed that um, she had to pay Josh back a certain amount of money for the time, I think it was for attorney's fees, which yeah. again, attorney's fees are not granted often. They're just not. And she was, she was ordered to pay back, I think it was 600 and some dollars in attorney's fees for the time that she had stolen from him. And then, um, but the, one of the things that we agreed is that, you know, the motion for contempt would be thrown out because we were kind of coming to this agreement together. And, well, and I'll say that, like, you know, yes, I was awarded the six, I think it was $650. However, I knew she was never going to give it to me. And at, at that time, I think I was paying child support it might have not been that much however i made sure i would 
you know, see that money somehow. So I made sure that that money was put towards child support. No, so, it was cheerleading. Or, or cheerleading. Like, she had to pay all the I, I didn't have to pay something, you know, where made her pay either all the activities and... and Spoil I alert, we ended up having to pay for it anyway that year. Yeah. Um, hence the, you know, saving everything. But then she went like six months or something without child support because yeah. we ended up having to pay for cheerleading because she couldn't do it. Yeah, and so... I would always advise you if you know you're awarded legal fees, you know, or or, or things in, in you know whether money in any sort, make it where you don't have to give money to them. So because the mm. likelihood of you ever getting it is well, usually slim. And in some states, it can be. I don't know, like all states do this, and I don't think Maryland does, but I know that other states, you can be. Um, you can have say on whether you're awarded a monetary amount, like whatever you're owed, or a night in jail, or multiple nights in jail. And I gotta tell you, knowing what I know and having experience, I would absolutely choose jail every single time. Every single time, because that would be enforced, it would happen, and if it wasn't, if it didn't happen, then that would be a warrant for arrest, and that would just, you know, that would be an actual consequence that was unavoidable. Whereas money that was never paid, unless you have some sort of, you know, other influence, like we had parenting coordination, and that kind of helped with dealing with that monetary thing later, but regardless, like, you know, it, that, that money would just have been a debt along with all her other debts. And, you know, and there are many of those already on the books in, in terms of the court. So, you know, really, I've found that, that monetary awards with somebody who's a high-conflict person, there's no reason for you to really spend any time with that. But that was, so that was our first motion of contempt. Our second motion for contempt was um, a couple of things. One was um, refusal to, or I guess non- um, inability to get the kids to school. Um, last spring, spring 2018, um, the magistrate awarded Josh primary custody, but she provided um, the girl's mom every o- it was every other weekend from Thursday afternoon to Monday morning, which provided her two times, a, a, I guess four times a month, to get the girls to and from school. And she consistently didn't take them to school. She consistently kept them out, especially on Mondays, but on Fridays as well. Um, and actually, I think more on Fridays than on Mondays, because Mondays they always came back to us. So I think that, but when Fridays, when she would have the whole day with them, she would keep them out a lot. Sometimes it was for quote unquote illness, other times it would be for, you know, taking them on, you know, visits to people or whatever. But um, it was just this sort of ridiculous, th- there was no reason for it. Um, and so that was part of it. And then the other part of it was, um, and it, I don't want to go down a rabbit hole of government assistance, but there was a Medicaid issue that we had spent 16 months trying to get um, the girls off of Medicaid so that we could insure them legally through our own private insurance, through our employers. And you know, it was consistently told to us again and again that they had been taken off Medicaid, that they were no longer eligible, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, it, still, still, to this day, they're on Medicaid. We've, we've worked out, fortunately, the system has changed, and now the laws aren't the same about having dual insurance. Well, and I, I'm pretty sure they're, they're, I think they're off now. However, that's, you know, two years after the fact of, right. you know, asking for them to be taken off and, and being told that they were taken Well, off. I was going to say, we're pretty sure that they're off because it, she's being denied um, certain 
subsidies and, and certain um, benefits that she was receiving from the state because well, of, of welfare fraud. Well, and I, and you know, it's the, that time of year to renew it. So you know, if you don't renew it this time of every it year, dropped. it gets dropped. Yeah. So, so so regardless, and it, you know, we're very fortunate that we have employers who do supply us with the option to be insured, and so we you know we're able to do that. It, it is quite certainly um, a cost that we eat that is not fun. Um, but you know, at the same time. It also is, you know, advantageous for us to be able to insure them ourselves and to have some say over that. Of course, you know, Josh also has tiebreaker for for legal custody, so he really ha- kind of has the the oversight of all of that anyway. But um, but regardless, I think that you know we're fortunate enough that that motion. Um, well, so we filed that motion, and that, once again, when we went, we filed the motion in May, maybe uh, April or May. And, and interestingly enough, we had heard from the opposing counsel that, you know, he was going to file a motion too, and we had really no idea what it was going to be. I don't think, honestly, they ever got their shit together in order to actually file anything. Um, but once again, um, based on what we what we knew um, and, and what we had seen in the past with, with the judge, we knew that that motion... To mod- or a motion to, of contempt was going to be thrown out, and it was. I mean, this time it wasn't it, well, even. It, it wasn't thrown out. It wasn't dealt with until it was just the actual court date. Dismissed. And 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 my attorney dropped it because it was one of those like making us look better. But you know, because of these things are happening, we'll let the you know contempt. You know, let's not worry about it now. So I think that you know, ultimately, to kind of sum up everything with the whole idea behind temporary orders and how they work. You know, things to remember are that temporary orders are either coming from some sort of consent or settlement that you have worked out with your spouse, or they're coming from a judge directly, and they're usually called temporary orders or temporary consent orders. They can last anywhere from, you know, six months to nine months to, I mean, depending on how long feet are dragged and if you have, you know, discovery and if there's, you know, a a bunch of other steps to your trial, like they could last a lot longer. um, And it really is kind of ultimately based on your specific situation. But remember that temporary orders are in fact temporary. If someone is breaking them or not following them like they should, you should certainly make sure that you document it. And if there is a consistent refusal to do what they're supposed to do, a consistent lack of following the order, then you can file a motion for contempt or a motion of contempt um, through your attorney or by yourself, as long as you provide the substantial evidence that proves that. I would say that, you know, depending on the severity of what's being done, um, if it's certainly if it's losing time with the children, if it is a regular thing, if you are regularly being denied your visitation, it is 100% vital that you go right away and you file that motion for contempt, right away. There is no reason to wait. I think that we see so many questions on message boards from people who say, and it is frankly most, most often dads saying, you know, my ex-wife or my wife is refusing to let me have the kids on my weekends. We have a temporary order. What can I do? What can you do? What should you do? File contempt. File contempt today. File contempt as soon as you can. If you have an attorney and you can go through your attorney, great. If you can't, go to the courthouse, ask them, I want to file contempt. What do I do? They will give you the appropriate paperwork. I think that you pay something like $26 when you file it. Um, Done. And then, you know, especially if it's taking time away from you, a judge will find that a viable reason for a show cause hearing. So, 
you know, remember that that's an option out there for you. I would not suggest motions to modify because I think that time-wise it just doesn't make logistical sense. And I would not suggest motions um, or ex parte because I really think that those are the situation, unless it's a, an emergency situation with, you know, health and harm, you know, being, being you know, factors. Um, but otherwise, I think that that's really the best advice we can give you. However, like we said before, if you have questions, please email wholeheartedpodcast at gmail.com. Um, also, you can visit us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash wholeheartedpodcast, um, or you can search Wholehearted Podcast in the search box. Um, but otherwise, I think that's pretty much it for the week. So thank you guys very much for listening. We look forward to talking to you again next week, and have a great one. Bye, guys. Bye. Thanks for listening to Wholehearted. Please visit our website, www.wholeheartedpodcast.org, to submit questions, find resources, or subscribe to the show. And if you like what you've heard today, we'd be wholeheartedly grateful if you'd rate the show on iTunes. See you next time.